0: Good morning. Good morning, welcome to Catalyst, glad you're here this morning. Disinformation, the narrative, fake news, fact checkers, virtue signaling. These are all words that were we've heard recently in the media, and they have to do with shaping our perception of reality, right? But, you know, one word that I find curiously missing or not that much addressed or mentioned, especially in the media, is the word truth. You don't hear people talk about truth that often. But for believers, for Those that follow Jesus, it's clear. It is crystal clear that truth is found in God and God alone. That God is, in fact, truth. That's that's an amazing thought, that God himself defines truth, that he is the truth. John 14, 6 says, Jesus says this, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You cannot have a relationship with God. You cannot have a relationship with the Father. You won't be saved. You won't have eternal life without Jesus because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus was truth. He defined truth. He embodied truth, and truth is rooted in, in God alone truth is rooted in God alone that's why God cannot lie there's certain things God cannot do you know sometimes say God could do anything he's all-powerful but there's certain things God cannot do he cannot do and will not do things that are contrary to who he is and one of the things God is is truth so the Bible says God cannot lie. It would be that all men and all women and all people were liars before God is said to be a liar. God cannot lie because it's against who he is. And the Bible is also clear that truth leads to life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth leads to life and truth leads to freedom jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth what shall set you free so truth leads to life and freedom as opposed to death and bondage lies false perceptions lead to death and bondage That's why, again, I want to reemphasize this cleansing seminar retreat or this cleansing retreat. Because one of the things about the cleansing retreat, it helps us to see the truth about ourselves, about who we are. And I want to particularly go over here to this side of the auditorium, because this side tends to be those that are 40 and under, right? You kind of have your section here. There's some exceptions here. You know, you could be a young 40, right? But this section tends to be, right, more of the 40. So if this is to, I want to I wanna specifically encourage you to go to the retreat. And let me tell you, because if you are open and willing and humble to be able to try to face and deal with some of the truths about yourself, it will save you heartache and pain in the future. Because you don't want misperceptions, lies you're having and you're carrying about yourself, about your past trauma, about your future, about your relationship, about God. That will carry, and you will carry that if you're single into your marriage. Or if you're married, you will carry that if you're going to have kids, if you have kids in the future, and it'll be passed on. And believe me, any of those lies, it's going to surface sometime in your future. And all along the way, it's going to cause a level of pain, dysfunction, hurt. And so I want to encourage you and everyone, go to the retreat. Go to the retreat because that retreat will help us to see the truth about ourselves. Bring it humbly before the Lord and let him touch Heal, deliver, transform, change. Okay, so sign up today if you haven't. But this whole idea of truth, that's why we are in this series, we have these classes on biblical worldview. It's about seeing life and seeing ourselves through God's lens. Through God's lens, right? And it's seeing life and seeing and acting according to the truth as revealed in the Bible. Last week, Kyle did a great job of introducing this topic, and I love this. I, I brought this up in case some of you weren't here last week, right? It was his example about seeing through God's lenses, and he used these glasses, so I asked Kyle to, if I could borrow them just to review, right? So he said, sometimes we see life through, right, the lens of like work. That's our main paradigm. All our decisions, our thoughts revolve around work. We know people, Maybe some of you have had workaholic tendencies, Neg- neglected family, neglected marriage, neglected your spiritual life, because you were seeing life through the lens of work. For some people, right, I'll use this, it was, you see the, li- you see the world through like fun, ha- enjoyment, want to have a good time, right? That's how you see life. It's, it's through the lens of, hey, is that, that doesn't sound fun, so I don't want to do it, right? Some right have this kind of lens you know what i'll call this kind of lens i don't want any pain or sharp light discomfort i want to just live comfortably this is a this is this i believe is a god of american culture it's the god of comfort Comfort at all costs, right? Some of you, even with the cleansing the retreat, I don't want to go to that. That sounds scary. That, ooh, what are they going to do there? I don't, I don't, I don't, it's going to be painful. I don't know how many people, we've, we have these prayer ministries, right? Loving people that will come alongside you, that will listen to you, that will seek the Lord, that are gifted to seek the Lord and minister to you through prayer. I don't know how many per- people I've heard say this. Yeah, I've been thinking about going to that. Or I, I feel like God wants me to go there. How long have you been thinking about it? Oh, 10 years. <laughs> and it's the God of comfort. I don't want to be uncomfortable. But that will keep you from life and freedom. Those lenses. Those glances. And then Kyle didn't have this one, but I'm glad he brought it. So this is, this is the lens God wants us to have, right? <laughs> Seeing life through the lens of the Bible. God's truth. That's what shapes how we see everything, how we interpret everything in life. It's through the word of God. Man does not live by, word, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Right? God's truth. God's truth. Well, for the rest of this series today and the several, next several weeks, we are going to look at specific topics we felt the Lord wanted us to dr- address and look at it from a biblical perspective through his lens. And the, the issue, the topic that I felt like he wanted us to address today is this issue about life. What does God's word say about life and specifically the sacredness and the sanctity of life? You know, we've heard that term, sanctity of life. What does that mean? Sanctity, the word sanctity means holiness. Holiness. So when you hear sanctity of life, it's talking about holy life, that life is holy. Life is holy. What makes life holy? Specifically, what makes human life holy? It's because life is founded. It's rooted in God himself. And so we're going to look at that today. And to look at this topic, we're going to use this tool, this principle that I think it's really helpful when you're trying to understand, to see, and to apply the word of God and apply it in daily life. It's this tool or principle or grid of grace and truth. Okay, Kyle mentioned that last week. Some of you have gone through, we went through that Messy Grace series to look at the topic of homosexuality, same-sex attraction, things like that. And I think that grid is really helpful to know that God wants us to be radically experienced and express grace, unconditional favor, grace, His unconditional love. But he also wants us to stand firmly on the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, the truth that we find in the Word of God. And sometimes it's very difficult to hold those two things, grace and truth. But if you let go of one, then you're going to either be led into a false sentimentality or a rigid dogmatism. You need to hold both grace, radical grace, and radical truth. And there's discomfort, there's tension in doing that, but I think that grid, using that grid is very helpful to understand different issues. So we're going to apply it to grace and this grace and truth to the issue of life and sacred life. So let's first talk about what does the Bible say about life and life being sacred. Okay, number one first, It says that life is sacred because God is the author of life, that all life comes from Him, comes from God. Okay, let's look at these verses, Acts 17, 24 through 25. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since He is the Lord of heaven and earth, He doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve His needs, for He has no needs. He Himself... Gives life and breath to everything, and He satisfies every need. He is the one that gives life and breath to everything. John one four, the Word, which is talking about Jesus, the Word gave life to everything that was created. I'm talking about Jesus, and His life brought light to everyone. So the Bible is very clear: all life. Comes from God. That's why it's sacred, because it comes from God Himself. Sacred life, sanctity of life, holy life. A holy God is the author of life. Number two, life is completely sustained by God. Life is completely sustained by God. Acts 17, 28. For in Him we live and move and exist, as some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. Hebrews 1, 3, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. Now look at this, and he sustains everything, by the, sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. We sang those songs about God sustaining. God sustains everything, he holds everything together. Job 34, if God were to take back his spirit and withdraw his breath, all life would cease and humanity would turn again to dust. Not only does God author life, but he sustains it. He continues it. Some of you just breathed right now. God is sustaining you. Every breath you take, it's because God is choosing to sustain your life. If he were to withdraw his breath, the the, the verse says, if he were to withdraw his breath and his spirit, all of us would be powder, would be dust. So not only does God author life, he sustains every breath that you take. That's why life is sacred and holy. Three, specifically human life, human life was made in God's image, okay, Genesis 127, so God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them, you know, there's this really good book, it's a little bit older now, but it's called Divine Romance, I, I love that book, because that book, it's, it's kind of a, uh, the author's take on what was happening in creation and God sent Jesus. And he kind of it's kind of a cool book. He kind of gives this behind the scenes look his in from his imagination of what's taking place. And and one of the things is creation. When God first created Adam, right? He formed Adam from the dust, and Adam was lifeless. And it said that God breathed his spirit into his nostrils, and Adam came to life. And he was made in God's image. And the cool thing about this book, it it kind of shows the angels as like the audience. And and they're watching all this unfold. And then the angels are going crazy because they're like, they they look at God, his holiness, his awesomeness. And then they see Adam. And they do a double take to look at God. And then they look at Adam. And then they look at God. And look at Adam, and they're blown away because this created being is reflecting the image of God. And they can't understand. They're like, oh, my God, right? Your stamp is on this creature. That's an awesome thing. That's an amazing thing. And even though sin has tainted that image, everything for each one of you reflects the image of Almighty God. That's why each one of you has value. Extreme value and importance. Because you were made in the image of Almighty God. That's why life is sacred. Life is, human life especially is holy and unique, and it's a thing of God. And also, another thing about this topic, about truth of life, the Bible, I believe it's crystal clear. Life begins in the womb. Even before the womb. But life begins in the womb. Look at these verses. These are just a few of the many verses in the Bible. Psalms 139, 13 and 16. You made me, David writing the Psalms, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Verse 16. You saw me before I was born. David saying, God, you even saw me before I was born. You knew me before I was born. You formed me. You gave me life in the womb. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Jeremiah 1, through 4-5. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Life doesn't begin at physical birth. God's life, sacred life, holy life begins in the womb. Even before that, do you know the Bible mentions seven men? He mentions them by name, seven men, before they were even conceived. Jeremiah is one. John the Baptist is another. Jesus is another. He mentions, so... I don't know how this works. It's beyond me, right? I don't know how to understand it, but somehow God had you in mind before you were even conceived. And he saw fit that you were conceived. You know, the, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I love this illustration about the fact the odds against you being born. Because there's, billions of sperms and many, many eggs. So it could have very, very... The odds were very easy that not you were born, but someone that looked like you, maybe your brother or sister or someone that you could have called your genetically... But you beat the odds. Because God wanted you born. And so every life in the womb is of God, it's holy, it's sacred, it's unique. There's a name, God has a name for every person, even at the moment they were conceived. And then finally, about sacred life, God alone has the authority, has the right of life and death. Deuteronomy 20, 32, 39. See now that I, God's voice, even I am he. And there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. There is none that can deliver out of my hands. 1 Samuel 2, 6. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol, Hades, and raises up. God and God alone has the authority of life and death. It's his prerogative alone, his domain alone. It's his choice whether to give life or take life, whether to extend life like King Hezekiah, or whether to restore life. Sometimes we don't understand what happens in life with people with life and death, with things that happen. And that's a whole another. that could be a whole other message about that. But the Bible says, you don't need to understand because God's ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And there's so many things, we don't even have a, the tiny bit of knowledge and understanding about why and what's going on and what the Lord is authoring and how he's moving. So we have to trust in him. And we could trust a God who sent his son to die for us. He is the potter, the Bible says. We're the clay. You know, there is some feisty clay out there. There is some prideful, feisty, rebellious, sinful clay out there. How dare? How dare the clay say to the potter, you don't know what you're doing. You're wrong. I have the choice. You know what that's, what that's doing? It's putting ourselves firmly in the place of God. I have the authority. I have the right. I have the choice. Not you. How dare the clay say that to the potter? anyone who takes life without justification, biblical justification, you are usurping God's authority. You are following in the path of Satan and saying, I'm God. Now when we think about these truths about life, that God is the sole author of life, that God sustains life in every breath we take, that human life, we were made in the image of God, that life begins in the womb, and that's holy and sacred, and God alone has the right of life and death, the authority to make that choice. When you think about that, and you think about, we, you know, we just came off a series about the Father's heart, when you think about the, those biblical truths and you think about the Father's heart, what do you think, what do you think Father God thinks about abortion? I think if, if we truly see and are honest about wanting to see through God's lens, not our own, not our own feelings, not our own comfort, not what the world says, but God's lens. If we search our conscience, listen to the voice of the spirit within us, I think it's clear. You know, I have seen, and some of you I'm sure have too, you, there's a, tons of videos out there about what happens during the abortion procedure. And I know some people want to put on those dark glasses. I don't want to know. I don't want to look. I want to put my head in the sand. But it's brutal. It's brutal. It's heinous. It's evil. You know, to me, it's clear. It is clear. Biblically, morally, that it's wrong. And, you know, we as a leadership, we said there's certain things, not, the pol- not so much political, but there's certain things. That it bleeds into political, but it's not a political issue. It's first and foremost a biblical moral issue. And as a church, that's our stance. That is our stance. That is wrong. Biblically. Morally. Against God's heart and character. You know, when you also consider that Over 86% of the abortions, they're by unmarried, unwed women. You know, nowadays, we don't bat an eye. It's a given, sex outside of marriage. We we just accept it. That's just how it is. But you know, if, if someone who had an abortion was unmarried then they're engaging in sexual activity outside of marriage. And the Bible, if we're going to live by the Bible, if we're going to have God's lens, the Bible is clear on that. Because marriage is a sacred vow. And that's why only in that context, it's holy. That's why only in that context does God want for our good for people to engage in sex within the context of the commitment of marriage. You know, there's all these verses. All of these verses say that sex outside of marriage is wrong. Look at all of those verses. So, for the vast majority of people, women that get abortions that are unmarried, they're trying to find a way out of the consequence of their sin. And that leads to death. You don't resolve the consequences of your sin by committing even a worse sin of killing innocent. Also, I'm not going to go into because of time, but there is mounting documentation, evidence of organizations such as Planned Parenthood that are engaging in the selling of fetal organs and tissue for profit if you just take time to open your eyes and look, do a little research on it, there is documentation. There is video evidence. There is about that taking place. There are universities that are engaged in that. That's evil. That, that, So that's, that's all the truth side, I believe. That's all the truth side. So what about the grace side? What about the grace side? So we're going to look at this issue with the grid of grace and truth. Where does grace come in? I think it is very helpful, a helpful tool to use in, in assessing issues is found in james 4 6 this has helped me a lot james 4 6 is this but he god gives gra- gives more grace therefore it says god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble i think this is a very helpful verse in applying biblical truth because when we deal with people if there is someone who is hurting or struggling such as a woman or even the the potential father or the father that are struggling with these issues, right? That are in difficult economic or life situations that are are humble about it and, and wanting help. That's grace all day, every day, Full, fully graced towards them. But then if there's people that, you know, are arrogant, proud, not fearing God at all, we still show them love and grace, but then, you know, it's like, hey, they're not representing living out honoring the lord and so it takes a different it might take a different tone it might take a different flavor a different spin we extend radical grace to people unconditional love and acceptance but it's got to be within the guardrails of truth It has to be within the the guardrails of truth. We extend radical grace, unconditional love. But you have to have those guardrails of truth. Or else then you end up extending grace in a way that dishonors God. Right now I'm going to call up someone because I think she kind of embodies this truth and grace, and she's actually lived out, done things to extend, help extend God's grace and understanding and love to, to women. And so I'm just so thankful, you know, uh, she, she kind of she talked to me about this, and I say, yes, let's address it, and um, asked her to share her tes- a testimony of her journey, so I'm gonna invite up uh, Rihanna Machida. She's gonna come and share. Hi, Rihanna, thanks so much. Thank
1: you. <laughs> good morning, good morning. Uh, my name is Rihanna, and um, yeah, thank you so much, Pastor Barry, for allowing me to share this morning. Um, I really am so excited that we're addressing this topic this morning in church that's so very close to my heart, and um, you know, right now, well, always maybe, but especially right now, and I mean, especially as a young adult, like, it's not cool at all <laughs> to stand up for the unborn. Um But I felt like God was telling me as I was preparing, like, I'd rather be in line with his truth than cool by the world's standards. Um, And so, yeah, I really just pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to all of us uniquely this morning. Um, So ever since I was young, I've considered myself, like, pro-life. Like, it was very simple to me. I just thought, oh, well, you know, God makes a baby, so, like, it makes sense. Um... And I remember even in 11th grade, in my English class, um, I wrote an essay on abortion. And I did not get very positive <laughs> comments from my teacher, who was very pro-choice. Um, but he had to give me an A anyways, because it was well-written. So I was happy about that. <laughs> um, and even though I've always considered myself to be like very solid in this stance, um, There have been two main experiences that have really made this conviction very personal for me and that's what I would like to share with you this morning. And so, um, kind of like how Pastor Barry mentioned about five years ago, I worked at an organization called Options, a women's care center, which is a pregnancy resource center that provides free services to women who are facing unplanned pregnancies. And those free services include um, a free pregnancy test and then an offer for an ultrasound if that pregnancy test is positive as well as um, a free, like, we called it an option, pregnancy options consultation, so we provide non-biased education and information and resources about all of her pregnancy options so that she could make an informed decision, um, and those three options are parenting, adoption, and abortion. And so um, we would explain that because the services and the consultation was free, that she could trust that the information that we were giving was non-biased because we as a nonprofit, um, didn't benefit from her decision in any way, which of course sometimes would lead to her asking us, well, what do you mean by that? Like some people are going to benefit from what I choose. And so we would explain, yes, actually, um, Um, Even an adoption clinic actually cannot say that they're fully non-biased because they will, like, financially benefit if you do choose adoption. And especially an abortion clinic is not unbiased because they very much so will financially benefit from your decision. And so even that little thing of, hey, we're just providing information on all of your options so that you could be fully educated and make the decision that you feel is best – would sometimes in and of itself be enough to have her ask a few more questions. Um, But um, yeah, we would provide information on abortion that they wouldn't receive had they gone elsewhere first, including like scientific information on fetal development, um, the reality of various abortion procedures, and post-abortion healing and counseling if she did choose to go through with an abortion. We would also share the gospel with women if she was open to hearing it, and we had the opportunity to pray and worship over all of these women after they would leave. Um, The one song that um, we would always sing was No Longer Slaves, but we would sing it as, like, she's no longer a slave to fear, she is a child of God, and we got to declare that over, like, each woman who came in, and um, yeah, I just, it was really powerful. Um, And so, yeah, many women were really shocked to find out that their baby's heart had already started beating since only 21 days after conception. Many women were shocked to hear that post-abortion counseling even existed because it had never occurred to them that someone might even need something like that. Um I'm so grateful for the season that I had working at Options because I really got to know God's heart around this issue more and see him work incredible miracles. I saw many women come into the clinic um, seeking abortion and telling us, I'm here to get an abortion, um, but change her mind through the power of a non-judgmental, loving, and compassionate environment. and through the power of education and also of course by the power of prayer. Um, I even got to meet some of their babies, some of these women would come in saying that they were seeking an abortion and change their mind and we got to walk with them and um, sometimes even throw them like a baby shower and then they would bring their baby after and um, that was just like pictures of babies in my mind that like you know I'll never forget. it definitely wasn't always good news on the other side of the line when we would call to follow-up after their consultation, but in those situations, we were also able to support those women too by um, validating the sorrow and regret that they very often expressed and offering post-abortion healing resources. Um, and so after really having the opportunity to sit with these women on like the front lines, so to speak, um, I found it to be so true that women, many women, feel that they need to have an abortion, but no woman actually wants one. And in like an age where, you know, we always are hearing, um, my body, my choice, that it's that abortion is this thing that's empowering, and that um, even shout my abortion, I, it's like a new mantra. Um, I think the abortion industry, but behind that the enemy um, would really have us believe that it's an empowering act. Um, But I'm here to tell you that having had the opportunity to sit in front of these women facing that decision, they felt nothing but, they did not feel empowered by the decision that they were about to make. They're terrified, they're scared, they felt desperate. um, And it really is true, I've seen it to be true that Many women feel that they need to have an abortion, but no woman actually wants one. Um, And so, the second experience, the first experience, the second experience that um, has profoundly impacted my heart for life and is a recent one that my husband and I are still walking through. Um, So, last November, I felt like a really deep stirring in my heart to stand up for life. Um, And... It was a time where I felt like my social media was like just inundated with like a lot of pro-abortion um, messages, and so I was just scrolling, and like um, I didn't really know like why it was especially bothersome to me. It's always bothersome to me, but usually I just you know kind of scroll by, and it's it's okay. Um, but um, I just felt particularly upset. (laughs) And um, I remember I even spent one like lunch break at my job um, in my car just like weeping over this issue because I just felt um, the heaviness in like a new way. Um, And so again, I wasn't sure why it was like particularly heavy. I just was feeling it, and so I was just mourning and praying, um, and it was at that time that I reached out to Pastor Barry asking about, like, Sanctity of Life Sunday and all of that, and he shared with me that he would be sharing on this topic later on, which is today, and so, um, yeah, and so um, about a week later after, sorry, so, about a week later, after um, I was weeping in my car on my lunch break, um, Tommy, my husband, and I found out that we were pregnant. <laughs> and um, um, I just felt like, you know, if I ever doubted <laughs> that the battle to abolish abortion is a spiritual battle, like this just affirm that so surely that um, even before I knew that God had created a new life in my womb, um, my spirit was being stirred in a new way to stand up for the unborn and to stand up for the sanctity of life. Um, But um, in January, we found out that we had lost our baby. And um, as we process and as we heal and as we feel the grief of miscarriage, um, one of the things that has come from this is this new, like passion and the igniting of that passion. Um, And so, yeah, walking through the grief of miscarriage has really ignited my passion even more um, for the truth that each and every baby is a miracle and each and every baby is a gift. And so I believe that this conviction, this even more strengthened conviction, um, is one of the many gifts that I believe that my baby in heaven has given me. Um, so these two experiences I shared have impacted me profoundly, obviously, (laughs) um, but I really felt like as I was preparing that God was reminding me, and it's, like, cool that, like, Pastor Barry and I didn't even, like, really talk that much details, but, like, the first two minutes of your message, I was like, oh, man, this is gonna be good. This is exactly what I wrote down, so, um, though these two experiences, um, working at options and walking through miscarriage with our first baby, have impacted me profoundly and really, like, solidified even more, and I guess it was already solid, but, like, ignited a fire under that passion um, to really stand up for the sanctity of life, Um, even though those two things have shaped me so deeply, um, it isn't my personal experience that makes me pro-life. It's God's truth that makes me pro-life, Um, in an age where we're encouraged to define, you know, my truth by my experience and, oh, your truth by your experience, I really felt like, well, I'm not that concerned about my truth or your truth. I'm concerned about God's truth, which is the truth, the one and only truth, Um, the one and only absolute truth and the only truth that's worth revolving our whole lives around. Um, And so, you know, and as Pastor Barry shared, God's truth is that life is sacred, and God's truth is Psalm 139, that um, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body, you knit me together in my mother's womb, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I believe that this this truth that is God's truth is true over every woman facing an unplanned pregnancy, every father pl- facing an unplanned pregnancy, um, every unborn baby, my baby in heaven, and every single one of us in this room, that that is God's truth over our lives. And so, um, yeah, in closing, um, I also just really wanted to say that, like, um, the statistics say that it's, its um, I believe it's one in three, one in three women will have an abortion in her lifetime. And so, if you or someone that you know has had an abortion, um, I pray that you would know that God holds your baby safe in heaven um, and that when you draw near to him, he's eager to forgive and that there's no condemnation over you um, and that healing is available. Um, My sweatshirt says, (laughs) my sweatshirt says, um, fight for the 2363, and that's because that's the number of babies that are aborted in our country every single day. 2,363. And um, obviously that number sounds so daunting and heartbreaking, but I really just pray that each of us might ask God and just take the time to ask God um, what one simple step might be that he may be calling us into or inviting us into. You know, he's so good to invite us into this fight. And so it may be something simple like, Um, doing your own research, looking up like those, like learning about the abortion procedures like Pastor Barry was talking about, Um, be maybe pressing into a conversation with a friend, um, or it may be as simple as, you know, right here and today, like making um, a resolve in your heart with God that, you know, this is something that you'll stand for. And so, yeah, ultimately, just kind of like in closing, um, though this fight is daunting and this topic is heavy, we are not without hope. And I really believe that. Um, You know, we hope in our God who defeated death in totality. And so I just pray this morning that he would reveal more of himself to us um, as we press in and ask him to show us his heart. So thank you so much for listening.
0: So what are we to do? How do we respond? Rihanna mentioned some, let me just give you a few things. Get educated about the issue. Do not put your head in the sand. Um, You could watch a movie, there's a movie, Unplanned. It's on Amazon Prime and it's about Abby Johnson. She was a former Planned Parenthood clinical director. She was in the midst and the thick of it and how when she was asked to actually assist in abortion, and she saw what actually was taking place, that totally changed her. And now she's a um, pro-life advocate. So you could watch that, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, You could go to YouTube, there's a Dr. Anthony Leventino, and he gives a lot of presentations about this. And he was a former, he's a doctor, medical doctor, and he performed uh, almost 1200 abortions but there's things in his life and he realized he he saw the light and uh, very powerful um and so you could check that out on youtube uh, go back and read some of the verses on the the of life god's perspective because as i said and rihanna said it's based on god's truth right so go back look at some of those verses use your voice to express God's truth about this issue and take this issue into consideration when you vote. And then finally, talk to Rihanna. <laughs> you can talk to Brad, I'm sure she's open to talking with anyone who would have questions or wanna discuss it with her further. And, and we'll put some of these resources up on our website. They're not now, but we'll, we'll do that. Those links, some of the verses, things like that. And let me just reiterate what Rihanna said. Um, if you have been involved with abortion, if you have had an abortion and it's unresolved, um, I just encourage you to sign up for prayer. They'll come alongside with you, of you. They'll meet you with love, grace, compassion, and help you to connect with the Lord and receive the healing, the forgiveness, the love, the freedom of the Lord. Because God gives grace to the humble abundantly. As God's people, we need to see through God's lens and live and obey his word. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, um, this is a heavy topic because it's just filled with pain and sin and grief. And Lord, um, I could just feel your heart, your your father's tears, the inexplicable sorrow over babies, uh, innocent children, innocent babies that were, have been aborted and globally, countless millions upon millions upon millions of times. Lord, help us to stand in your truth And help us to extend your grace. And help us to be people that shine the light of who you are. Jesus, you came, you brought the glory of the Father, and you are full of grace and truth. Help us to be people full of grace and full of truth. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for our online service. Hope you will join us in person sometime. It will be great to see you and meet you. Don't forget to subscribe to our Catalyst YouTube channel so you don't miss out on anything. And be blessed this week. And as always, thank you, Jesus.